It's a joy to have you as part of his family. Welcome. I, I, there's lots of people here. It's nice. Still at the front. You, you don't always see what's going on. It's great. So very warm welcome. If you're here for the first time, I know it's already been said, but you're very, you're very welcome. And uh, just going to speak for a few hours, a few minutes. <laughs> But uh, firstly, just like to pray very briefly. Praying is when basically we speak to God. It's pretty simple, really. It needs to be for me to understand it. So, Father, this is my prayer. I pray, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you breathe life into your word? Would you soften hearts, open ears, and speak to our spirits? And would you affirm your direction? In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's wonderful this morning. I've got the privilege of speaking on the given son. And uh, it's part of our series, speaking about the generous God. And looking at the Trinity, which is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. So, we're going. the main verse we're looking at this morning... Is John 3.16, which I think most people would probably know. And sometimes familiarity can breed contempt, so just let's look at it fresh this morning. But this is what one version says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Today, we are going to make much of Jesus, John's phrase, I know. We're going to see how Jesus is fully God, and yet he came to earth fully man as an obedient servant, and he was given by the Father. Jesus, you see, is fully God. I I looked at this a few months ago, and uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give us a a, a bit of a shower in the Bible in the word of God because the word of God is what brings life is the word of God I believe is what can bring healing and uh, can break into stuff in our lives because it's God's truth not me pontificating giving my thoughts on things so this is from the Bible it's from Colossians 1 15 to 20 and it's talking about Jesus the son it says the son Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he, Jesus, is the head of the church, the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That is a staggering scripture. 
a staggering scripture that God and Jesus are one. That's a staggering scripture. And my scripture of the year, had to throw it in here because you're allowed to do your favourites when you're up the front. Hebrews chapter 1. In times past, sorry, I know off by heart, so I must read it in this version. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things and through, also, through him also made the universe. Here it comes. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After Jesus had provided purification for sin, dying on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. What an amazing God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And here's the best bit. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If I had been God, I would have come down, sorted it out, and got out. But he came, and he loved us, and he's made a way. Hallelujah. A bit later in the Bible, there's, there's some chapters called 1 John. A little bit confusing when you first read your Bible. And uh, this is a man who knew Jesus very well when he was on earth. And he wrote this in John, 1 John 4, 9 to 10. He said, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is fully God and he is fully man. Jesus is total perfection. We've been hearing that throughout the worship. He is total perfection. He is glorious, he is victorious, and he's won over sin and death. That's pretty good, isn't it? It's a pretty good deal. I know we live in a difficult world, so I'm not gonna I'm gonna come to that later, but this is the truth of God's word that God has done something about it before we were even born. Absolutely magnificent. Let me just read this to you. A chap called Michael Reeves. He said, The God who is love definitely displays that love to the world by sending us his eternally beloved son to atone for our sins. And so through sending of the son for our salvation, we see more clearly than ever how generous and self-giving the love of the triune, that's the God three in one, is. It just shows how good God is. Without the cross, we could never have imagined the depth and seriousness of what it means when God says, I am love. (laughs) This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. On the cross, we see the great holiness of God's love, that the light of this pure love will destroy the darkness of sin and evil. On the cross, we see the intensity and strength of his love, 
And that is not an insipid thing at all, but majestic and strong as it faces death, battles evil, and gives us life. For Christ was not bound against his will or dragged to the crucifixion. He chose to go. No, nobody could take his life, for he said, I can lay my life down of my own accord, and I can also take it up should I choose. Through the cross, we see a God who delights to give himself. I can't explain it any better. God has come himself in the person of Jesus. We get this wonderful little window before Jesus goes to the cross in John 17. Jesus is praying in the garden and we have the privilege of seeing these few verses where it talks about Jesus relating to his father before the cross. And he says in John 17, 25, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know, uh, sorry, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Christ in you. We sang that, didn't we? Christ in you, the hope of glory. How can an eternal, wonderful God live inside us? It's wild, isn't it? Weird. You see, before the foundation of the world, and Steve covered this so well, get the tape or the download if you haven't heard it yet. Ooh. (laughs) Before the foundation of the world, as I said, God was completing himself. He had that perfect union with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is called the Trinity. This is called the triune God. Three in one. And as Steve said, don't explain it. Embrace it. And Julie and I have this little joke at home, because I always think of Ant and Deck when they said, do you want to stick or gamble? You know, when they do. Wrong, okay. Perhaps you don't watch that. <laughs> well, that died a death, didn't it? <laughs> They have to win the adverts, you know, and they answer questions and all the audience shouts out, win them. Can that be deleted, Stephen? Just say, during that time, people were raised from the dead or something. (laughs) Oh, this one isn't going to sell, is it? Okay. But um, Jesus and God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they didn't need us. They were perfect in their union. God was completely perfect and fulfilled in who he was. He didn't need us, but in his incredible love, in his amazing goodness, he chose to invite us into that wonderful relationship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have together. As I've been looking at this over the last few weeks, you just start thinking, wow, it's so much more than Jesus died on the cross, I've been naughty, sorry, can I go to heaven? There's so much more. There is so much more. The very start of time, before the beginning as we know it, God had put his plan in place. And even in the Bible, in the Old Testament, which is the bit at the front before Jesus came, there was a man called Isaiah. The world was in the right old mess, a bit like it is today. In Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, he prophesies, so he's speaking something given from God which is to come. And he says this, For unto us a child is born, 
To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government to peace there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This man prophesied that Jesus was going to come. He was going to be given by the Father, sent from the Father. Have you heard that phrase, a dog is not just for Christmas? You know, you drive along and there's this pooch in the back. (laughs) And you see a little sticker and you try and get closer. You go, oh, a dog is not just for Christmas. Yeah, very nice. But I tell you what, this scripture is not just for Christmas. Because today... What, ten days before the Midsummer's Day, the knights will start drawing in friends shortly. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Throw throw, throw. (laughs) It's raining, it's freezing cold, so it must be the middle of summer. But even today, it's truth. Unto us a son is given. Not by a God of thought, oh, well, I better send him to sort that mess out. But out of his love, because he wants to draw you in. Stop resisting him, please, because one day you'll meet him as friend or as foe. It's so serious. But he's made a way for us by sending him, coming himself in the person of Jesus. He's a generous God. He didn't hoard or selfishly keep the glory and the joy. He didn't keep it all to himself. At the very core of that relationship, three in one, it was utter perfection But in his grace, he's made a way that we can become part of that. That is astounding. I think that is astonishing. The core benefit of this is him. It's him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the core. He is who we are seeking. He's the one that we long for. And he has made himself available. The incredible love that God the Father would give his son, would send his son. God gives his best. He didn't send a leaflet, come and buy pizza and get saved. He came himself. He gave himself. What a, as we said, used to say, hallelujah, what a saviour. It is incredible. It is amazing. It's a mystery. I can't explain it, as you can probably tell. But Jesus just oozes the heart of God. In John 17, he says, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. Whew that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So the world may know that you sent me and, and love them even as you love me. Father, this is Jesus. Father, I desire that they also, who you have given to me, may be with me where I am. To see my glory and that you have uh, see the glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. This is astounding. A God before the foundation of the world that we know in perfect relationship is welcoming us in. I tell you what, God loved the world so much, he sent his son. Do you get encouraged here at Beacon? Do you get encouraged when we have two guest speakers in the space of three weeks and they both speak from John 17? Does that encourage you to... Get up in the morning or look at your Twitter feed in Sainsbury's and just have a quick look at John 17. So a sense God might be highlighting that to us. 
He wants us to know that there is a relationship. It's not a stark duty. I have to battle with this. It's not a duty to serve God. It's a relationship. We do what we do out of our heart for God, not because if we don't, he will smack our bottom and we might not get to heaven. It's about relationship. Let's grasp what God's saying to us. We're getting a glimpse of that relationship between Father, Son and Holy Spirit, their love, their union, their interaction, their creativity. And yet the passion that God the Father was prepared to pay in giving his Son. Near the back of the Bible, there's a book called Hebrews, and it was written to Jewish Christians. Um, they would have known this, uh, they would have known the law of God since a very early age, and they would have understood that um, in, in olden times, the only way to kind of make God happy was to make sacrifices. So you wanted to get near to God, so you'd have to sacrifice a lamb or a sheep or a bull or something, because blood had to be spilt so that you could come into the presence of God, because sin has to be atoned for, or the price must be paid for it. So they understood, these Jewish Christians, that history. And then in the book of Hebrews, the writer unpacks how God sent his son Jesus to be that lamb, to pay that price, and to make that sacrifice all this elaborate process there was for high priests to go in and sprinkle blood and sprinkle it everywhere. And like last week we saw, didn't we, the blood that went over the doorposts and so forth. Blood's not a very nice subject, but it's going to save us, the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9, 11 to 14 says this, But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands, that is to say, not part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered into the holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal um, redemption. For the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify themselves so they are outwardly clean. How much more the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. Cleanse us of our acts that lead to death so that we might serve the living God. Do you notice three in there? The Father, God, the Son, and the eternal spirit, the Godhead working together to make that way of salvation for us. God sent and offered his son through the eternal spirit. Jesus was the given son and he made a way for us to come back to Father God. I know I keep banging on about it, but sometimes you have to hear it lots of times. I have to, to get it in because it's a long distance as we know from there to there. But when this takes place, it should have an impact on our lives. There's a famous uh, Christian writer called J.J.I. Uh, Packer, and he says this very simply If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well. 
Friends, we can dump our religion. Some of us were brought up with a lot of stuff, good intentioned, but it's held us back. It's about a relationship with a living God who loves us. And we serve him not through duty, but through love. This is the amazing thing about the Christian God, (laughs) that he lavishes love and he lavishes grace on those like me who rejected him, didn't want him. And yet, while the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the just for the unjust. Says this in John 1, 12 to 14. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Altogether, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. God has got grace and truth for you. Whether you're 12 years old or 95, he's got grace and truth for you. He loves you. It's amazing. God doesn't just forgive our sin, but we become the children of God. We have a restored relationship with God the Father. See, getting saved isn't just, well, I give my heart to Jesus, or sorry, Lord, for the bad things I've done, or this will be a useful insurance policy in case I suddenly get hit by a train. Don't want to go to hell. Um, It's not about that. It's about having a restored relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, because that is what you were born for. You were born for that, to ever worship him, not with the restraints we have today, but that worship and that relationship. My goodness, I'm looking forward to knowing more of that. But it's a relationship you can choose to develop or you can ignore. 1 John 1.3 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are hallelujah (laughs) the reason the world does not know him is that uh, sorry the reason that the world does not know us is that they did not know him explains why we get rejected sometimes some people just don't get it that's why we pray often when we pray towards meetings on a Sunday and when we get together we pray that the eyes of people's heart will be open by the power of the Holy Spirit I wouldn't listen to me droning on for half an hour. I'd switch off. I'd get very bored unless I did something funny. But when God opens our eyes, our spiritual eyes, he can minister to us. Let's have a bit of action. In Acts 19, in the book of Acts, we hear the story about the church starting. Jesus ascends to heaven. Then the Holy Spirit is poured out. And the Holy Spirit of God is poured out and invigorates with people with power and anointing. And they start going out around the, the known world preaching Jesus. And uh, people start getting healed. And it gets quite exciting, really. And uh, there was a man who was called Paul. And he was on a journey. And they actually called it a missionary journey. He went to Ephesus. And he was talking about Jesus. And uh, some pretty amazing stuff was happening. Now, also at the time, Ephesus was known as the center of the worship of Artemis. Uh, a goddess sometimes known as Diana. Is that right, Steve? Diana as well? Could be. I don't know. I sort of try to look it up because, uh, you know, I know my theology. 
<laughs> no, that's, um, but uh, this Diana was worshipped by the people, and there was a local silversmith called uh, Demetrius, I think it was, and uh, he was turning over quite a good money out of selling idols of this, um, this um, Artemis. When the disciples came, they started preaching the gospel, people started getting healed, things started happening, and these guys were losing money because people were following Jesus rather than these dead idols. So the silversmiths got this big riot going to try and get the, the, the Christians chucked out of town. And in the end, there was this kind of riot, and the city officials came down and said, look, they've not insulted your God. Just go away or we'll get in trouble with the Romans. Good stuff. Now, you might think it's strange. Hang on, Julian, you were talking about the Holy Spirit, and now you're talking about... All right, what, are you, what are you on about? Well, let me tell you. Herne Bay. Is that, where, is that where we are today? Herne Bay? And, and, and probably all around the country. We face all sorts of issues, don't we? Drug, alcohol abuse, family breakdown, etc. It's people are having a tough time out there. But we are not called to start campaigns up to get these things sorted out. We are called to preach and to live the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ, to give people love and acceptance and care. And as church, I've, it's great we're good at that. We don't stand in judgment because there's a lot of hurting people out there. The good news is that the Holy Spirit is in us and he can invigorate us and enliven us that as we speak to people, he can work on their hearts, open their eyes. Do you notice the silversmiths and the idol makers were making a good living? There's some people that make a good living out of selling lies and deception. And yet later on in Acts 19, 19, you see people who've been impacted by the gospel and they do something about it. They turn away from their evil, their evil ways. And it says in that verse, a number who practiced sorcery brought scrolls together uh, with all the rubbish on it and they burned them publicly. They calculated the value of those scrolls. It came to 50,000 drachmas. How much is that in euros? Do you know, Janet? <laughs> 30,000 euros. Wow. So whatever that is, 20, 20, 26,000 pounds. A lot of money in those days. But the gospel had an impact. See, as we go out, as we work in schools, as we share, as the food bank develops... We're not out there to whack people over the head with the Bible, but we want to show, tell them, and demonstrate the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't have an angry God that wants to sort them out. We have a God who's done something about the problems people are facing. Let's be honest, a lot of us are still trying to work stuff through. We're not there, but we have a God who is with us, leading us, and helping us through. See, when I was, a, when I was, when I was little... Ah, oh, I was little once. Ah, oh, bless. Went to church because I was a good boy. And uh, I was taught that my sins needed to be forgiven. Uh, God was very cross about sin. I needed to get right with him. And uh, therefore, you know, I needed to do my best not to let him down. Is that familiar to anyone else? We're not knocking other places where we were brought up, but that's just kind of how it is, yeah? Now, although I sinned, I was a naughty boy. Here's the key thing. I was born sin. We were born sin. So yes, I needed to repent and say sorry, but I need to repent of my sinful nature. 
because it's not about the stuff I do as a naughty boy. It's we are born sin. It's really crucial. We are born sin. The Bible says that in Adam all have sinned. And yet when we have repented, we are in Christ Jesus. It's not just, sorry Jesus, that I was rude to my mummy and I stole a Mars bar. It's, Lord, I was born sin. I repent. I'm sorry. Bring me into your family. Live in me. Given Jesus, come into me. Because God so loved the world. (laughs) I've heard this one before, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God, three in one, complete mystery. Embrace it, as Steve said. God wants us to enjoy that perfect relationship with him. We can only do that when sin is dealt with. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross, to make a perfect sacrifice, sit going in our place, so we don't have to have that punishment. And Jesus ascended to the right hand of God, and has now sent his Holy Spirit. So coming to an end. Did, did, you know we put our hands up earlier to say that we were in other churches when we were little. What was the best bit? Was it the children's talk, yeah? Do you remember the children's, remember the children's talk? Am I the only one over 50 that used to go to church? <laughs> I used to love the kids' talk because it was usually the only one that I could actually understand. Um, theology was rarely perfect, but at least it gave you a bit of a, a gist for what was going on. So what I would like to do now is I would like to do a children's talk. Okay, is that all right? Uh, yeah? Okay. Oh, you're all excited now. Oh, bless. Oh, bless. Here I have an old bag. What? <laughs> right, okay. Right. Is there someone in this room who likes chocolate? Yeah? yeah. yeah? Uh, I see that hand at the very back. Peggy, would you like to come to the front? Yes, you do. I, I've got a gift here. Here I have a gift. There we are. That's good. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, right now. <laughs> I did that because that's one of the two things that you're going to remember in, in years to come. Okay? Okay, so now, 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 as we know, because it's family zone every week, we now have to have a quiz. Okay? So I'm going to divide you down the middle, and I want everyone there to say, which side am I on? And everything else. So, so question for this side. Okay? Question for this side, what did I have? And what was the chocolate? It was a, it was a gift, right? That's a point to this, this side. I'll come over to this side. Remember, we're down the middle here. Okay. This side, what did Peggy do with the gift? She received it. Okay. So I had a gift. I offered it. And she received it. Now, is it <laughs> I thought about that. Believe me, Julie will tell you that I had other ideas. <laughs> Participation is great. Here's the thing to remember. I offered a gift. 
and someone said, yes, I want it, and took it. Very, very simple and probably flawed theology, but here we go. Jesus offers you a gift of life forever and ever in the perfect presence of the living God. Rhetorical question, don't shout out, do you want it? Yeah, oh, oh, they just shout. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's simple. Whether you believe it or not, Jesus is offering a gift. He said, I can offer you eternal life. You will be with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit when you die forever. He is the only way. Jesus Christ is the only way. That is the only way. You don't have to become a raving nutter like me or play the guitar like Steve or be quiet in the corner. God will work with your personality. It's absolutely fine. But there is a gift. The Father sent the Son because he loves you. Simple. You can go on at me about this wrong and that problem and that issue. What happened to you when you were a baby? I know that because a lot of it's happened to me and currently is happening to me. But Jesus Christ is good news. Gift, please accept it. You have a choice. That's one thing that God has graciously given us, and that's a choice. Please don't reject it. I mean, it's a simple example. You can go out now and buy yourself a a chocolate bar, can't you, if you want to. You know, chocolate bars, you can can buy them if you want to. But God, in Morrison's, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Who wants to go to Morrison's and buy a chocolate bar? You want Janet? Right here. Here you go. There you go. Right, you go and buy yourself a chocolate bar. Not now. <laughs> Wait till one of the others are preaching. <laughs> Jesus just loves. He just loves you. He just loves you. So, this world's so complicated, isn't it? Stuff in the news and why is this, why is that, and Twitter and this and this and bank statements. It's so complicated, but here's a simple truth. God still loved the world. He gave his only son in your place that you don't have to die forever, but you can be with him forever. Symbols, isn't it? <laughs> it's, oh, it's great. It's in my notes. I'm going to show Bill this later. John 14.9. Jesus says to Philip, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. To a simple Jewish man, that is stunning. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what does he go on to say uh, before that? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Go off and meditate in India. Try stuff. Try Buddhism. I did many years ago. You think you're getting there. You're not. It's all about Jesus. He is the only way to come to the Father. He is the only way. God in three persons. Right, I'm going to cut that out. So, I believe it demands a response. It says in Hebrews 12, verses 2 and 3, if I remember rightly. Thank you, brother. (laughs) It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him. Back in 1980, I heard Terry Virgo say, consider Jesus. Please consider him. 
He endured so much oppression and opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I'm just going to need Steve now because I said there'd be two things you'll remember in a year's time from today. So, Steve, if you'd like to come up and join me. <laughs> Steve is from Team A. I woke up this, I woke up this morning. <laughs> I don't think I did wake up this morning, actually. Um, so, no, actually, I don't think I even went to sleep last, last two nights. That's a separate subject. Anyway, woke up this morning and I decided to go for a little walk. Brothers, do you know what I mean? Four o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and literally, as I walked through the dock, I just had this sense, sense, because I'm not weird, well, I am weird. I just had this sense of God saying something to me. And I saw this burden. Do you remember this from, is it Pilgrim's Progress? Now, I might not do the book justice here, but just, just bear with me a minute. So, two parts of this story. This is what I saw, okay? So, Steve, can you do your Jesus bit, hands out, and look all sort of loving, and, and try and look, you know, very blue eyes, and all shit. So, here I am, okay? Miserable offender, carrying my sin. Oh, I'm so sinful, I'm so sinful, I'm so terrible. Oh, great, here's Jesus. Nice one. Lovely. Jesus, really sorry, really sorry. Um, yeah, cheers for that. Oh, great. Oh, he's so wonderful. Yeah, that's really, really, oh, drunk it, that's interesting. Right, number one. <laughs> and I tell this story against myself because before I've said something up the front here which I want to correct. Here I come again, okay? Carrying my burden. Oh, Lord, life's so difficult, so tough. It's so awful, it's so dreadful. Carrying all this sin and guilt. Jesus, I just take that for me, please. Throw it away. Thank you so much. Yeah? Yeah? Okay? I've, I've sort of, you know, given like little pictures here before where I've said, you know, you know Jesus, thanks, Steve, mate. That's, cheers, mate. You, um, and, and said... You know, bring, bring your burden and, and, and bring your burden to the cross. And it's very important to leave it there and not pick it up, you know, and take it with you the next day. I believe, I, I just sense this morning, four o'clock tomorrow, I just sense God say, no, you're wrong. It's not a question of leaving it with Jesus and not picking it up. It's a question of just staying with Jesus. <laughs> Stay with Jesus. There's lots of little pictures and stuff I've carried for years. And it's wrong. I need to stay with Jesus. So friends, let's stay with Jesus. We're going to have communion now. I'm going to pass over to Steve. But just before we do that, let me just pray and then I'll pass over to Steve and David to lead us through. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much that you were in that perfect relationship with your Father, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Lord, I just don't get it because I'm a simple bloke. But I want to thank you, Jesus, that you are the given Son, that Father, you sent your Son into the world. He lived a perfect life. He died a rotten and disgusting death. And Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that your Father raised you to life and that you are now at the right hand of God and that you have made a way for people like us, ordinary people, by saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, come into my heart, that we can know you forever. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Amen.